Hello, hello, everybody. I'm your host, the Wiz of Ecom, and welcome to the Symposium Podcast, where every week we bring the highest quality professionals in the industry to discuss topics around mental frameworks, high income skills, and business. This is a no nonsense, action oriented interview that will be an asset for you on your journey of building and scaling to $10,000 a month and beyond. And now, welcome to the Symposium. Today, we have a special guest, one of my mentors, my coaches, and best friends. We have Mr. Jordan Ross, the owner of Eight Figure Agency. He has helped over 500 plus agency owners exit their daily operations so they are able to build seven and eight figure operational machines. Mr. Jordan Ross, how are you doing today? I feel so cool that I'm introduced as one of your best friends. I, I told you this last week, but I'm like, let's go. I'm fucking, oh, excuse me. I'm great. I am lit. I'm ecstatic. I'm super stoked to have you on. You're probably the top guest that was requested by the current members in Utopia because you have been a value source for hundreds and hundreds of members who are trying to learn how to exit their day-to-day operations. So we're all grateful to have you in today's call. So the way that this is going to work, man, I want to ask you a few questions um, around running an agency. We're going to go through an entire list of understanding what agency prisons are, how to create systems, where are people messing up with their current systems, how to create SOPs, how to identify which systems and SOPs are needed, all the way to the end of the spectrum of hiring, how to identify which talent you need, customer journeys, and a little bit more. So everybody listening in, this is going to be a high-packed, high-value call. There is no fluff. There is no story. We are getting straight into things. So Mr. Jordan Ross, are you ready? Come on, man. You know what this is. I'm born ready. Let's go, Utopia. Pretending like people are live and like, yeah, screaming. <laughs> W's in the chat, W's in the chat. Okay, so let's start it off with understanding the big picture of something called agency prison. This is something I never really understood until I met you and realized I was stuck in these trenches as well too. Do you mind describing what an agency prison is, Jordan? Yeah, so first, thank you for the prompt. And I, I think what's important when talking about agency prison, it's first talking about the agency dream, uh, which is what we all get into this business for. We all get into entrepreneurship for a few things. Like it, it's not always the same, but I want to build a business that makes me a lot of money, makes a big impact, has a great team, uh, gives me the freedom to live my best life. Right? That's why we all get into this. And there could be varied reasons. It's my purpose. It's my calling. Same thing. All those things. My assumption would be at least ninety-six to ninety-eight percent of all entrepreneurs, maybe more. They start to build the business, and when you're starting an agency specifically, you're a freelancer. Right. And then you have a few clients and you get your first contractor and then you scale from there. What happens to nearly all of you? You build the business that's centered around you. You are literally at the middle of it. You are the sun and your agency and business and clients are revolving around you. The agency prison means you can't take an extensive amount of time off. You are working on multiple departments of your business because you physically have to. You're not profiting as much as you want to. You're not hiring the best talent that you want to. You might have higher churn than you want to, right? You might be making good money now. You might be making 20, 30K a month, but it's a job, right? It's not a business. We get into entrepreneurship to build a business. The definition of a business is something that can grow and operate without you. You build what I call golden handcuffs. You lock yourself to this entity that is now a glorified job. You 
can't walk away and you can't do anything because you have too many clients relying on you. You might have a few contractors that need to ask you a boatload of questions and you're locked in. This is agency prison. You can't build the business that can work without you. The business can only work with you. Beautiful, right? And the reason everybody listening in, the reason we're asking this question is so you guys become aware and conscious of the problem that most agency owners get stuck in. And Jordan's going to break down exactly how you can break free from the agency prison process as well, too. So if you don't mind, Jordan, how do people get out of the agency prison? Yeah, so I think there's a few different vantage points. Uh, let me ask you is, do you want me to start from the vantage point of people who are already in the prison? So maybe they're doing like 15, 20, 30K or more, or do we want to talk to the people that are doing like at the very beginning? Let's do the very beginning so they know what to avoid. And then we can go into the point of people who are doing 20, 30. Cool. So I never got into the, I got into the prison, but I knew what I was getting into because I thought I wanted this, right? So I'll, t I'll walk you through my journey that I went through that allowed me to expedite my journey to be a true business owner. At first, just like many of you, I wanted the lifestyle, I took off as much as I want. I traveled, I worked from anywhere. And like, I was really happy because I had come from Amazon. I just, I needed the freedom. I didn't need attachments and I didn't want attachments. So I built the prison, but you know, and I was okay with having a glorified job. That was cool for me. But once I realized I wanted to be a business owner, a true business owner, like not just someone who calls himself an entrepreneur, I started to make the transition. So here's what you got to do. First, you need to, you do need to scale to a place of golden handcuffs. You need to get to a place where you have ample amount of income to invest into talent. What the most common thing is, is people will scale. They'll get to like, I get so many requests and this actually boggles my mind. Hey, I'm doing $5,000 a month or I'm doing $10,000 a month. How do I hire? How do I get myself out of the business? How do I get great talent? Um, dude, you're not making enough money to hire the best talent. Like you're only making $5,000 or $10,000 and you're all, and he's like, and people will say, I have a full service agency. Don't do that shit. First thing, if you want to build a business that could be the dream business and not the prison, don't have a full service agency, have one offer, build one offer to a half a million or a million, right? That's the first thing. That's what I did. The second thing is once you get to that point, get to like 15 to 20,000, right? Try to do as much fulfillment or start stacking as much cash as possible because your first hire is probably going to be someone that's just okay. You don't want to hire someone that's just okay. Most agency owners will hire someone that's sub-mediocre, mediocre at best. If you have more cash to invest to get a good, talented individual, that one person will save you so much time because what you're going to do is you're going to hire someone that's okay. It's going to go subpar because you're going to have to train them so much. They might churn. They might go to another company and now you're screwed and you're back at square one. And now you've spent this money and this time. What you want to do is first and foremost, you want to find someone that's that you think could be loyal. So maybe they're from your network. Maybe that you have a personal relationship with them. Maybe they're a friend. Maybe they're a cousin. Maybe they're someone that you know from a previous job. And you want to cast this vision. Hey, I'm doing 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, whatever the number is. Ideally, I want to encourage you guys to get to a higher number first. I'm going to be building a multi-million dollar business, probably an eight-figure business over the coming years too. I would love to I would love to do this with you. I know you're talented, I trust you, whatever, right? And you're like, how about we do this? How about I bring you in and I'm just going to give you one client at a time. I'll pay you per client. Is that something you're cool with? And we could build this together. And that's what I did with Zach Veith. Um, Zach Veith was my fourth consultant that I hired. Zach was a client of mine who uh, we built a million dollar agency with him. He ended up doing so well that he is the founder fired him as the COO. And Zach came into my business, but I trusted Zach. And that was the thing. I, I told him, hey man, like 
if you give me loyalty, I'll give you loyalty back. Like there'll be no one that will care more about you. There, there'll be no one that will work harder and just build the life of your dreams. And this is the first step of getting out of agency prison. It's not systems. It's not the templatizations. You need to find someone that you trust that you, that will be down to work with you for the, for years. And a lot of times that has to come with a personal relationship. If you don't have anyone in your network, you probably need to find one contractor, whether it's on Twitter, Utopia or Upwork that you can, you can start to build a relationship with and slowly give them one client at a time and train them and make sure things are good. That is step one. If you mess up that step, you're going to be in prison for a long time though. Interesting. Can we go a little bit deeper into the hiring section as well too, if you're fine with that? Because I've I've noticed myself, I'm an agency owner and being able to trust an individual with holding down the processes of your business and giving them responsibility to be able to run an entire sector of that business, it becomes very nerve wracking. So how do you identify what responsibilities that new hire will have? Are we giving them um, equity? Are we just telling no. them that they're going to be taking on six, seven different systems that they're totally in charge of? Uh, what What is that role of the hire inside of the organization? Yeah, when it comes to your first hires, you want to first and foremost say, where's the majority of my time going? And I'll just give myself as the example. I was, I run a consulting business, right? We consult agencies. We're a consultancy. It's a really comparable business. Um, but if you look at that and we give the analogy of an agency, I was doing account strategy and account management. That's probably going to be the first role that you need to hire for. So when you think about that, it's really, okay, what are all the things I do for my client? Because most of you, especially at the beginning, you're probably in a place where you don't have clear responsibilities. You don't like, you're just doing things based on your skill, but you need to, this is the part where you need to start to templatize. Okay. What are all the responsibilities an account manager would own? Write all the responsibilities down. What are the goals that I would, that I would want them to accomplish? Examples, um, retain a client for a year excuse me, retain a client for a full year. Um, if you're doing paid ads, make sure the row is as this. If you're doing ghostwriting, make sure we grow their account by this much per month, right? Write the responsibilities first. We have to do this task, this task, this task, this task. And as, if there's a correlating goal, write that. Sometimes there won't be correlating goals because one of the things might be keep clients happy. How can we keep clients happy? That's when you go to KPIs. KPIs are inputs. Inputs are things we can control. Every day I can wake up and I can make sure my email is cleared. I can make sure all my clients are responded to. I can make sure campaigns go live or budget spend is met, right? There's a, there's so many things I can control. That's what KPIs are. So from responsibilities and goals, you need to make the laundry list of KPIs. And like I said, you're most likely going to be doing this for an account strategist or an account manager at first. Someone that's going to be delivering on the account. And there are some businesses where it's like, I have a client that runs a paid media agency he does fifty to $60,000 a month. He does all the account management and he has his media buyers all back end. They don't talk to clients, right? But it's saving him a significant amount of time. So build out all of those things, responsibilities, goals, KPIs. Now you have your list of what you're going to pass off to this new hire. Once you have that, then you need to make a, what I call standard work checklist. You have your list of things. What are all the things they have to do daily? You want to literally make a checklist a literal checklist that they will submit to you every day. What are the things they need to do weekly? And you're going to make a literal checklist. This could be put into a project management software like Airtable, ClickUp, Asana, and that checklist they're going to send to you daily or weekly. From this checklist, you will now have a list 
of things that may need trainings and SOPs, right? So you're going to hire someone and we'll get to the sourcing part. But when you hire someone, you're going through this checklist, you're really testing them to make sure that they can do all these things. The more things they can do, the more qualified they are for the position. Because you want them to be able to submit this checklist daily, have no problems, make sure they could execute at a very high level so you can focus on whatever else that you need to focus on. This episode is brought to you by The Utopia. The Utopia is a community of 4,500 active entrepreneurs that share insights around starting and scaling your own business to reach $10,000 a month and beyond. Whether you have been running your business for years or are dreaming of starting one, our community of like-minded individuals will take your business to the next level. For more information, check out the link in the notes or visit theutopia.io. And now, back to the show. Amazing. So you're saying define the responsibilities, define the goals, define the KPIs to help people reach those individual goals, then create a standard work checklist, SWCL, and you're going to make sure that your team is following their recurring tasks every single day. And you can go and look over them at the end of the day to see if all the tasks are actually being completed. That's amazing for your hiring process. So how does, so that's basically how one identifies the talent that they need to find, but you're also talking about workflows and systems and templatizing everything. And I feel like so many agency owners get the understanding of systems incorrect. And I was one of those people initially. I was getting confused between an SOP, between a system, between a workflow, between different types of templates. Do you mind breaking down the terminology a little bit so people know what they're referring to when we are discussing systems? Yeah, fantastic question. Thanks, Wiz. So first, let's just define what's a system. A system is something that can be run repeatedly, consistently in the same way, such that you get economies of scale. Now, what's economies of scale? Economies of scale comes from the manufacturing sector. It basically says when you batch things and do things in a larger um, sample size, if I'm doing something 5,000 times versus two times, I'm going to be more efficient and I'm going to get better at doing it, right? So... A system is something that can be done repeatedly, and by doing it repeatedly over time and at scale, it's going to be streamlined and go faster. Let's define a few terms. Workflow. Your workflow is something that each business needs. The, wor the workflow comes from um, lean operations, and more specifically, it comes from Toyota. They created the whole field of lean operations. It basically states the mapping out your first step in a process all the way to your last step in the process. The last step for agencies could be, you know, retaining a client. So example for you, when you sign a deal with a client, you need to map out the whole onboarding. So that's step one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. There might be a hundred steps, right? The workflow will have each step of onboarding and then each step of your loop process. Your loop process is every quarter. You do the same thing for your clients, right? You come up with new ideas, you split test, you A-B test, you go live, you, you audit the results, you look at the data, you talk to your clients weekly, monthly, quarterly, right? You do the loop and it's called a loop because it's literally a loop. You're doing the same thing. Your workflow will map out all those steps. Your workflow will show who's the owner of each step, right? Is it the account manager, the project manager? And the most important thing about your owner of each step, don't put your name. A lot of times founders will put John does this step, John does this step, John does this step. But when you're new to running a business and running your agency, you're doing like three to 10 different tasks. So put the owner, right? So you might have to actually build an org chart and be like, okay, I'm head of sales. I'm head of marketing. I'm the project manager. I'm the account manager. I'm the head strategist. I'm the head copywriter, right? You'll have to realize in your org chart that like you're sitting in multiple seats. I'm the CEO. I'm the COO. So you want to 
build this org chart to identify that, okay, I'm actually sitting like six seats. So when I write this task, it's going to be more clear so I could figure out who I'm going to hire. So all the steps, who the owner is, right? Including included in that might be what's the software implication. So does does there need to be a software that's used at each step? What's the communication workflow, right? Does this role need to talk to this role? Does this role need to check in with the client at this step, right? Because it could say a firm client's okay. Communication workflow might say that Slack use Slack to match his client. Use Slack to talk to project manager to inform that things are going well. Is there a bottleneck, right? Is there a choke point, right? Is there something that could go wrong at this step that might slow it down, right? A great example of this is we send cre- send creative to client for approval. The choke point might be we might have to wait two days for our client. You want to put that down because we need to figure out how to alleviate that. And then you'll put SOPs and trainings and there's a bunch of our steps, but that's a workflow. Your workflow defines everything. Then you have SOP. SOP stands for standard operating procedure. It's basically a list of how to do a specific step. Now, an SOP should be simple. An SOP should be able to be followed by a child. Literally, if you have a child or a younger family member or a younger cousin or a kid off the street, they need to be able to follow this without like any ambiguity. How do we do that? Make a video of a task. I call it killing two birds with one stone. So as you start to go through your list of things that you'll eventually need to delegate, what you want to do is instead of writing these steps out, make a video. I like to use Loom. So when you're doing this, hey guys, this is Jordan. I'm about to show you how I onboard my clients. So I'm making a Loom video. I'm typing, all right, step one is this. Step two is this. Step three is this. And you want to speak step one, step two, step three. What you're going to want to do is you're going to take this Loom video. You're going to throw it into a software called Descript, and that will give you a transcription. It won't be perfect. It'll be like 90% perfect though. Then you hand that transcription to an admin, right? Admin, you could hire off of Upwork and you're just going to write trans, um, write a standard operating procedure from a transcription. And because it says step one, step two, step three, they're not going to take this transcription and break it into specific steps. Now you have a video and you have the written steps. That same admin could then go into that video and then every time you say, Hey, every time I say step one or step two, if there are specific screenshots that you think are going to be important for this role, I need you to use a, a snipping tool on your computer to snip it. Video, pictures, words that are written. You now have made a standard operating procedure that every type of learning style, some people like to watch videos, some people like to read, some people like to look at pictures. Think about kids and why they have picture books. The picture tells more than a story sometimes, right? You will have SOPs that will adhere to every learning style. So that's SOP and workflow. And Wiz, what was the last one you wanted me to say? Um, then that was just systems as well too, but you kind of covered that oh, with I the, did cover systems. Yes, with I the, so I, I think it's very, just to summarize all that, you're basically letting us know that we have to define the roles in the organizational chart of the company. For example, we have the account managers, the junior, the senior account managers, people who are in charge of the strategy, the results, the deliverables, technical individuals. For each of those roles, we're defining this, the workflows for each of those roles. What, what workflows are those um, roles involved with, right? 
right? What are the recurring tasks that show the steps that it takes to reach that end outcome? And then from there, we're going to be able to delegate those out to those specific roles and hire those individuals, which is amazing because once we understand this, now we know exactly who we're hiring for, which ties in with the previous question. And we now understand what are the actual steps we have to take to help us deliver amazing results for our clients. Thank you so much for that. That was wonderful, bro. That was a beautiful explanation. Yeah, Next pleasure. question that I next question that I have for you is how do people identify which workflow systems and SOPs they actually need for their agency? How do I know which ones I would need next? And how can I integrate that within my actual company right now? Yeah. So the way I like to look at it is not all of our tasks that we do are equal and not all the time that we put into our business are equal. So first, the first frame of reference that you need to look at your workflows and your processes with is what are the ones that are the most important? And the simplest thing that you could consider are two things. One, what am I doing the most or what are the hardest things to do? So if you have, sometimes this is hard to do in, in a box, like you sometimes need a second person in there, a contractor or a person working with you to understand what the right systems are to build. So what's super relevant is you need to work with an individual or just through yourself. What are the things that are kind of hard or the most important? That's where you want to start with. Because when you're delegating, whether it's account strategy, account management, project management, copywriting, paid ads, whatever you're doing, you need to ensure they can do this job, right? So if there are simple tasks, you don't need to be making SOPs for those simple tasks. Like simple things should, should not need an SOP or training at first. What you want to start building the processes for, right? And these are SOPs and trainings, which I'll define what a training is in a second. You want to start with the things that you need You need these people to understand and execute. Like I said, it's easier to ask someone, where do you, we could build this together. I could train you in real time and I'll record it so then I could have a system or, and I could build out the software template so we could project manage this together, right? So what I would say, figure this out just based on your own experience, what was hard to learn or understand, or... If you hire someone that you know is good, you can build it with them and train them and build out the software steps like step one, step two, step three, step four, put that into project management. And then you could really start to dial this in. Because like, if you can delegate that thing that's taking the most time for you, whether it's account management, account strategy, execution, right? And you could do that effectively by building the right systems and trainings and processes, you're going to be really great. And real quick, I did say training. I did not define that before. SOPs tell people what to do. Trainings teach people how to think. Trainings are complex. So training is going to take time. And this is why you really want to hire someone that you know will be loyal or will probably be loyal because if you spend a year, and sometimes these roles, the, the more green, the more novice an individual is, the more you're going to have to train them. If you spend a year training them and then they leave, you're back at square one. And this is why Going back to my initial point, get up to twenty, thirty thousand dollars or fifteen to twenty thousand dollars in revenue and then pay for someone that's more valuable. Pay them five thousand dollars a month, four thousand dollars a month. If you're not in America, if you're not in Europe, you know, maybe you could pay less, right? So a training introduces a concept. So we'll use the um, example of let's just say you run a ghostwriting service, right? And let's say you're writing threads for clients, but you need to train your content writers how to write the hooks of each thread. There are so many different types of hooks. There's a bold claim, right? There's a statistical hook. There's, um, you could use memetics and you could use like 
I don't know, profanity, right? So there's probably five to 20 different types of hooks you could use. When you're building a training, you need to introduce the entire mind map of here are all the different types of hooks you can write. Because if I'm a content writer, I need to first understand what are the different hooks I could write. From there, once you have all the different options, you need to then step two, think about that SOP, remember step one, step two. Step two, you need to then say, here's how you know when to use this hook. Here's the situation. So when you're introducing, here's how you know, that's going to be its own mind map. There's going to be these five variables or these three variables or these four variables. And if it's one of these three things, it's going to let you know that it's bold claim hook. Or maybe it's the time of the week, or maybe it's because you have to rotate your different hooks so it doesn't like your audience doesn't get used to it, right? Introduce the types of actions and then introduce when that person will have to know when to do that action. Then once a person knows how to do that action, then you need to tr build a training. Here's how to execute this right? So when you're writing a bold claim hook, there's like 20 different types of bold claims you can make. That's another mind map, right? So another 20 things you could have or another five to 10 things you could have. So then you need to teach them how to do it effectively. So this is why training is hard because like it's literal mind maps. It's if then statements like with like to the nth degree and what you need to do for training. If I train someone on this, what's the most important part about training is the repetition and the deep work. So when you train someone, think about when you were in high school, college, or university, you formed synaptic connections in your brain. You form these different connections in your brain, which allows your brain to know if I do this, then I do this. What ends up happening, if you don't apply that learning, your brain cells prune, your connections prune. And that means they form and they go away. How many times did you study something for a test and the next day it's gone? That's pruning. So the way we could avoid this in our in our training is we need to build myelin. Myelin is when these brain cells connect, it's the tape that holds them together. It's the reason I'm able to regurgitate all this to you guys because I me it's memorized. It's in my it's in my brain because the myelin tape is holding those cells together. To get myelin, to get that tape to hold the cells together, you need to have deep work, application, coaching and feedback. So when you train them on different tasks, you need to then after the training, make sure they could apply it. So I like to say, if you're running an agency, you should always have yourself as a client. If you're running ads, even if you don't actually need ads, ads for your business, you can maybe spend like $2 a day or $5 a day. You still want to train them and have them immediately apply it to your business, right? So you can make sure you're actually giving the application. Because once you have application, then you could have coaching. This is the hardest thing about running an agency. And this is why it's so important to get someone that's important. It's really good because you need to spend a lot of time coaching. I played basketball and soccer for my Europeans or for really anyone that's not America, football. I played those sports growing up and in high school. And a lot of times in sports, you can do something really well. So for all my football fans, right, we all know what a scissor kick is, right? It's where the your foot goes over um, the ball, pretend, like making the defender think you're going one way and then you go the other way, right? Or you could do a double scissor kick, right? Or you could do a cut, right? Nerding out with you guys on football. So when you do that move, though, it's so easy if you don't have the right body mechanics, if you don't have the right balance, if you're not leaning forward, if your left foot is not positioned in the right place, if your right foot is like too high. There's so many small things you could do. So you could train someone how to do a scissor kick, but the specifics of how to do a scissor kick really well is hard. Same thing with training your talent. There's so many things that could get messed up. So you need to audit to make those small adjustments because the small adjustments will be the difference between them doing it well and them doing it mediocre. And to highlight this, the difference between qualifying for the Olympics as a track, as a track runner or a, a runner or a sprinter or a long distance runner is literally seconds. And it's the same thing for your talent performing well. 
you need to audit, spend time and time block to make sure they're well. And I just went on a tangent. That's a lot of stuff, but it's critical that you understand this. That is beautiful. And something that you keep on repeating to us, something that you continuously repeat to us is steps and the steps that it takes to reach that specific end goal. It seems like everything we're talking about is broken down into a step-by-step format. So on the topic of steps, you've introduced something to me which changed the entire um, direction of my agency forever and it was on the first call that i ever had with you when i hired you as my systems consultant and within 30 minutes my i I was able to scale my agency again i knew exactly what needed to be done and that was called a customer journey i would love for you to break down customer journeys and the importance and significance of it and how the, the listeners to this podcast on the symposium would be able to apply that customer journey to their own agencies. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an absurd topic. This is the last question and the best question save for last because this, not only for myself, for multiple other agency owners has changed the entire scene for them in the trajectory, trajectory of their businesses. Thank you, Ed. Love you, buddy. Uh, so uh, good news. I already shared one angle of the customer journey, I call it the workflow, right? There's the operational term is workflow, but you know what I started calling it for agencies is the customer journey. So I've already shared part of this, but we're actually gonna go a level deeper. So when I reference the workflow or what you guys can call as your customer journey, it's when a client signs up with you, what are all the steps for onboarding? What are all the steps for the loop process? Um, we're gonna go a level deeper. And what I'll even do is I'll pull up like the specific um, spreadsheet so we can, I could walk you through all the variables that you need to account for. So we already talked about a few variables. What you need most importantly is the first step all the way to retaining a client for like two years. So you need to map out onboarding. Then you need to map out like the loop process. We already talked about owner, right? Who's the owner? It can't be the person's name. It needs to be the function, the role. You could start to do this by mapping out your org chart, right? We already talked about this, but build out your org chart, CEO, COO, head of a department, different functions. From there, here's all the other steps. You need to write, take out those pens and pencils, the goal of the touch point, right? So for each of these steps, what's the goal of this step? Length of time. How long should this step take? Think about when you onboard someone into your team and if they're spending an hour on a task, but that task should take 10 minutes, they should know like, whoa, I spent way too much time on this. Trackable metric, right? So we think about like some examples of metrics that could be relevant for a ghostwriting agency is impressions or likes, retweets, shares, um, ROAS, like are there, but sometimes there's not trackable metrics too. We already talked about the internal communication workflow. So like, do, does anyone need to talk intrinsically? The type of interaction, is this an internal interaction or an external interaction? Is this my team talking amongst ourselves and doing things internally? Or is this the role doing something where it's just just the project manager is doing something for itself internally, or is it client facing? Really important step, definition of done. How can we quantifiably, undeniably know that this step is done? Additional things to consider, right? Project management software. I mentioned software before, but like what are the needs and implications for the software? We talked about SOPs and trainings, but what you want to do is inside your work customer journey and workflow, 
you want to put the SOP or the training right in there because what we're going to do, we're going to take this workflow. This template is going to go into your project management software. So like I said, ClickUp, Asana, Airtable. Airtable is my favorite. We also build out these for you. If you need help, hit us up. But imagine if every time you sign a new client, you could take this customer journey, copy and paste it to a new template that you've already pre-built. And every time a team member is going through something, if they have a question, hey, first go through the SOP or training, see if those things answer it. If it doesn't, then I want you to submit a question via a form. And that's the customer journey. This will allow you to define how to do the process the right way. But also, if there are questions, this is so critical, if there are questions that your team member have, and this is probably one of the most important things that you guys need to really map out and dial in to make sure you exit your business. One of the things I... I tell every client, you need to build what's called an FAQ process, a frequently asked questions process. So if someone has a question, don't ask me directly, submit it to a form. And right, if you use a software like Airtable, it will go to a database uh, because, hey, I was doing this step, but the SOP, the train don't answer this for me. Can, can you help me submit the form? And then when I answer you, I'll record a loom and I'll put that loom recording in there. And then we could put that into an FAQ for this step. Right. So now if, as you aggregate those, you could log those into like your own internal Wikipedia, which is basically you want to have one part of your internal software where we call it the learning management system, the LMS or the university. So if people have questions, they could go there. And if you aggregate those for all of these steps, every time there's a question, it's not a one to one interaction. It's a one to many. The person's going to log it. You're going to answer it via Loom. And you're going to write the tags, right? The relevant keywords that someone might think or the question they specifically ask. So that way you do that for a full year. Eventually you have all the questions answered, right? Just like with Wikipedia, Wikipedia, anything, it's, the answer's there. That's what you want to build for your agency. You build out all of that. Eventually you won't be needed because the answers already been created and you've documented it, you record it, and it's in the workflow. It's in the project management. It's in the university. That will fully remove you from the business. And that's the customer journey. And, and notice how Jordan talks about how it could take a year to really create that. It's the same concept with Utopia, guys. Utopia didn't have 6,000 posts when we first started. We knew that this was accumulating over time and it starts compounding, right? With Jordan's LMS over here, his learning management software, his platform over there for his internal team, he's consistently adding to it. He probably recorded two or three of those trainings in the past few weeks as well, too. It's something that will forever be added to, but once they're set up, he never has to worry about the old questions that's forever ever going to be solved but jordan as always you are a wealth of knowledge i'm always taking my notes on every one of your presentations i know utopians have been as well too guys this is something that you would have to listen to and pause throughout take your notes come back listen again because all the value in here will take you to a six figure a month agency it was exceptional so i want to thank you so much jordan um jordan do you want to say any final words before i do my closing yeah, so what we were talking about today, friends, was the foundation of your business, right? So if we give the analogy of building your agency or building your business like building a house, all the things we talked about was the foundation. And there were a handful of other components that we didn't mention. If you want to build a great business, do you want to build a one-story business, a one-bedroom, one-bath type of home, or do you want to build in a hundred-story building that could be a skyscraper in Manhattan that stands out, right? For me, I actually want to I want to build an entire city, right? I don't want to build a building. I want to build an entire 
like community and city. So with that, you need strong foundations. What we are talking about today is a strong foundation because after this, there's so many different components of your business, right? We talked, we talked a little bit about sourcing, but sourcing, hiring, onboarding, training talent, there's retaining your clients, there's customer success, there's managing your team members, there's building culture, there's strategy and forecasting and data. And so the, if you don't have the strong foundation, you're gonna be putting these other components and other processes on top of a weak foundation, eventually it'll crumble. That's why this is so important. That's why we have been able to go, like we went from a million dollar run rate to a $2 million run rate in like 90 days because the foundation allowed us to do that, right? And we're pacing to be able to go from the $2 million run rate to the $3 million run rate. I thought we'd do it in 90 days. It doesn't seem like we're gonna do it in 90 days, but it might be like four months or five months, right? Where we could have another million in ARR. So with a strong foundation, with a strong operational core, you could just consume and take on new business. But with a weak one, you hit a plateau and you're there for six to 12 to 18, 24 months, which I constantly hear. I spoke to an agency owner yesterday, blew my mind. They're talking about, they're considering hiring us. They're on the fence. And he's like, he ended the call. He's like, you know, we still haven't figured out a way for this to be easy. And that's why we're interested, but you know, I'm still not sure. I'm, I left the call. I'm like, this shit is so hard for them. And it's so obvious to me, this shit is not hard. What's hard is you don't have the right systems, which is making this hard for you. And if, if we give the analogy of your business is like a boat, your boat has all these holes that you're trying to clog up and you're running all over a boat. You're patching this hole and you're, you're patching that hole. It doesn't have to be hard. And I want you to know that it might seem overwhelming because when you're looking at the, you're the, you're at the bottom of a mountain, you're looking up at the top and that's overwhelming to think about that. But if you take it day by day, you stay on the path, you go to the gym every day and you stay consistent. One day you'll wake up, you'll be shredded. One day you'll wake up, your agency will be a freaking operational machine. So take it slow, stay consistent, keep leveraging the Utopia, keep leveraging Wiz, keep coming to these webinars or listen to my podcast or come sign up for ADAF and you'll get there. I promise you that. So Wiz, thank you so much for having me on. Utopians, it's always a pleasure. I love you all. And I'm just grateful that I could be uh, a servant to you guys in your journey. And I wish you nothing but the best of luck. And hopefully we see you soon. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Jordan Ross. If you guys want to check him out on Twitter or hire his agency, you can follow him, Jordan underscore Ross, R-O-S-S underscore 8F on Twitter. And you guys can go ahead and reach out to him. Thank you so much for everything, Jordan. This was an exceptional call and we'll chat soon. Take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found this conversation valuable, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and on YouTube. Focus on implementing the items discussed in today's episode because money loves speed. We will see you next week on the Symposium by Utopia.